Hello and welcome back to We Not Me, the podcast where we explore how humans connect to get stuff done together. I'm Dan Hammond. And I am Pia Lee. How are you, Dan? I am very well, thank you. Yes, enjoying the uh, enjoying the new year. It's it's obviously uh, very win- it's pretty wintry here. It's very cold, but uh, enjoying that, being out and about, uh, getting some fresh air. So yes, doing very well, thank Excellent. you. Very well Excellent. Excellent. Yeah, this is the time of year we're at polar polaric conditions. You and I, we are sweating, particularly in my exactly. I can't believe yeah, it. Yeah, in my new place that I'm living now, it's about a thousand kilometres north of Sydney. It is hot and wet and humid. And you, like Jeremy Clarkson, have become a farmer. <laughs> it, it, it is. It, sometimes, yeah, we almost put a West Country action, accent on, you know, it's all about being farmers. Yeah, it's a completely <laughs> change. You know, it's just a combination of running a, a tech startup by day and in the free time going out and shoveling soil and looking after ducks. And uh, we're about to acquire two out. Packers in the next few weeks, so this is quite exciting. Oh, amazing! Are they as pets, or do they have some agricultural role? They have an agricultural role of eating grass, and they keep snakes out, so they stamp their hooves and they keep that. So that's quite useful. But they're not trained. The vet said to me, "You have to train them to get a halter on. We will come out, but we will not try and track down your alpacas on five acres." Because we'll all be there all day. The story of snakes, every, almost everything you say about uh, where you live reminds me why I had to leave Australia. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Terrifying. They are there. So I hear that sometimes the best Christmas presents are the ones that you give yourself. And I think, come clean, you you bought yourself something rather flashy, which is related to this episode. I did indeed. I did indeed. And and it was actually our guest today that recommended I did it because he started talking about this this idea of teams in the metaverse and just said you need to get an oculus quest 2 headset and here, here it is where you can get in this is what you need to do with the deluxe headband or whatever it was so i went on bought it to myself put it on the christmas tree and then opened and to my surprise it was a it was indeed an oculus headset but this the reason i did it was actually curiosity about this world because just to see what to do this actually to see if we could explore what this could hold for teams in the future obviously technology provides us with so many opportunities the dangers to watch along the way but i just wanted to really explore that and ian and i did a little bit of exploration together in preparation for this episode so i'm hoping it's going to be a really good conversation great let's head over and um, let's meet ian and let's dive into the world of the metaverse Ian, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Delighted to be here. Thank you so much for being here. Well, I, I met you a little while ago when I was organising a community festival in town and heard about this crazy person down a back alley setting up a <laughs> stage and technological ways to live stream onto Facebook and stuff. So I thought, I have to know this person. So that's how we uh, we came to know each other. Tell us a little about, bit about you, Ian. Aside from, I think, my, my back alley sound... Music engineering career, which has been, which was quite short, is indicative of my my, my approach generally. So I, I'm a, a freelance technologist, and I do it because I like technology. But I also am very. A lot of what I do is around things like design thinking, which is connecting the humanness to the technology. And I do. I work for different clients on different kinds of stuff like that. And obviously, 
the topic that we're going to talk about today is something that's very much coming along from a technology point of view. I worked for IBM for about 23 years. I say about, that's quite exact really, isn't it? But I worked for IBM for, for 23 years. I worked there as a technologist, so I was what they, they call an architect, which I think slightly annoys actual architects that design buildings, but as a technology architect. And I got involved in a lot of client innovation, kind of work towards the end of that, that time. And after IBM, I went to work for a software testing consultancy where I was head of innovation. So you can, you're getting a, a kind of theme emerging here. And so that, that's led me to the point where I quite often get involved in, I'm quite interested in new technology and how, how that kind of fits into our lives and how that, as it kind of develops and, and matures, how, how, what the kind of impacts and the ways that affects us. So, uh, and I think that's really, and you've, you've summed it up nicely. And I think this is why it's so great to have you on the show because the comment we're all about humans connecting here. So technology is obviously a big part of that. And I see that you you have the have both in your eye line. In, we always start with our guests with a little bit of torture, which is around these conversation starter cards. So I have three decks in front of me: red for tricky, amber for medium and green for nice easy questions to get to know a little bit about you which one of those would you like me to choose a card from uh i would say surprise me oh that's i like it putting it straight back on him oh precious on (laughs) i trust you dan okay i'm going to choose and we've had a couple of reds and they can be quite uh, tasty but i'm going to go for a little orange card here yeah because they're they're quite tricky they're a little bit tricky but not i don't we're not just what's my favorite movie which um which it's is just relaxing story. and it's that fine could take a while what's my favorite movie so it's probably good <laughs> to dodge that one okay oh here we are the best piece of feedback i ever received was oh now i have to remember pieces of feedback i received <laughs> see now I, I started off bold there but now i'm like oh no <laughs> i i think i think i'd have to go back a a very long way, actually, to answer this question. And I'm going back to 1991, I think, which is a terrifying amount of time ago. It feels like it should be more recent than it actually is. But I'm a young, very nerdy young man, in a, and, and I've joined a magazine distribution company. So it's not a, a retailer or, or a magazine production. It's uh, getting magazines from printers to news agents that's what their business is and they've just had a new computer system put in and i'm the system administrator because of my extremely nerdy credentials at that time and there was me and then there was a computer operator quotes unquotes and then there was our man chap called max who is still a friend of mine and we i remember there was a an issue going on with the system where effectively we're having a lot of trouble producing some printed reports that the business needed and eventually we managed to produce them and and, and I I saw that my role was finished when these things were produced there was the printout in the printer room but someone else someone more lowly than me must go and and distribute these to the to the end users and so I'll never forget my manager, Max, went off and started doing this work that I decided I, w- I wasn't going to do. And he, <laughs> I'd followed him around and eventually helped him. And he, the feedback that he gave, <laughs> that he, I can't remember exactly what he said, but it made me realize something about work being done and it not being done when just my bit of it was done. And 
it, it made me realize the, the problems with trying to say that's not my job that's not my job when clearly the job is we must get these bits of paper into the hands of the people that need them yeah <laughs> and that changed me quite a lot actually over the years of my my subsequent life and career you've gone to the heart of one of the things that happens in teams those handoffs and uh, where's the task done that's a perfect one yeah it stays with you that's a long time ago it it, it really is <laughs> um, i guess that's one of those things that uh, it's good to learn and then build on for 30 years rather than- yeah that was a good lesson to have early on in your career yes exactly so let's let's dive in into our topic today and we're looking at this whole world of extended reality and virtual reality. And so 18 months ago, we went from the opportunity of having team meetings together, and that was the norm. And there was a little bit of virtual reality, as in in terms of just having Microsoft team meetings or virtual teams or Zoom team meetings. And then when pretty much the world has been upended and shut down, for a long period over 2020 and 2021, we've really embraced these Zoom meetings and we've, we've, or, or the opportunity to have virtual meetings. And we're now in a sort of wall to wall calendar of these meetings, which can be a bit lifeless at times when you've got a lot of people on them and you're trying to read people and it's not necessarily interactive. So I guess. We start today with, is that it? Is that what our future looks like? And if it's not, what is the experience? And I know you two have been playing in this, in, in this space together. So I thought, let's start with that to paint the picture. It's a very early days, but if we look into the future, what did you experience? So what we did was that we took quite a narrow slice of it. We used what I suppose I should now call the meta as they've changed the name from Facebook. We used their Horizon Workroom app on the Oculus Quest 2 that we each have, which is a a virtual reality headset. So it's a big pair of goggles that you put on. And we met up in a Horizon Workroom and we... (laughs) Mostly we've only managed to have meetings about Horizon Workrooms (laughs) and making them work properly. But we were able to be together in that virtual space and to talk and to interact and customize it and display slides and write on whiteboards and things like that and so those are the things those are the things that that, that we've done yeah we had meetings yeah it was hilarious literally just trying to get the meeting room to work but because i think it's a very early days isn't it i mean my it was a pleasant experience for me, other than the company, obviously, Ian. But I, <laughs> I, I got this headset um, as a present for myself at Christmas. And and I thought, I've got to explore this thing. And I actually did a couple of things. I downloaded a, a first-person shooter game. I don't game at all. And this was this was a... It, you know, it puts you into a 3D space, basically, where you're killed by American teenagers, was my summary. But it's a quite a scary space. It's very you know f- futuristic and and but you did get a visceral feeling that i'm of threat actually and so it was quite real but not pleasant so this was quite different you find yourself in a in an office environment that's clearly sort of quite real but cartoony and i felt it was a bit like, bit like being in an in a in an, in the incredibles sort of 
environment. It's a film set. Yeah, a little bit of a film set, sort of cartoony film set. And you can, you've got lovely views outside. So I found it really basically pleasant to, a pleasant environment to be. And then in the meeting room, we eventually got it to work so that when Ian said something, there was this moment I remember when we're sitting together around this table and I was faffing about with my laptop as usual. And, and Ian said, Oh, and, and I looked up to where he, he was and he was pointing to a screen and I followed his hand and he was pointing to a slide that he was sharing on screen. So there was that really, there was that real 3D moment of hearing the sound from that direction and pointing. So it was, it, it definitely felt we felt more connected afterwards didn't we, in, than we than in a flat zoom call i think we were we quite enjoyed that the human connection piece i think the word visceral is really important there i remember my the first time i ever tried any vr was a couple of years ago and i was at a conference and i just tried the first couple of seconds of a scary game that they had as a demo and really when you're playing a regular game, you have a little person often on the screen that you are controlling and you want to stop them from getting killed or threatened or whatever it is. But it really does trans- translate into, away from I need to stop my person on the screen from getting shot to it's me that's in danger. It's very visceral. And that's great for games and people can really enjoy that kind of sensation. But that also applies and it works for non-games as well. So in Zoom, we're talking on something quite analogous to a Zoom call now and I can see you uh, both and you can see me on in little square rectangles on the screen. But when we were doing the, the experiment with workrooms, we felt as though we're in that room. Yeah, it's more dynamic. It, and I come back to visceral. Yeah, the, the way I can understand it in a simple way is I went to Universal Studios about four years ago. And so if you imagine going on you know, a helter-skelter ride, that's a 2D. I went on the Harry Potter 4D ride where I put on the same gear and put on the glasses, went on the ride, and I was thrown into space. I was attacked by spiders. I, I was falling off cliffs. It was the most extraordinary experience that now four years later, I can feel it. So that visceral, I can feel the experience. So I think what you're talking about is an, a, you're alerting all your senses to a meeting as if you were together in a place. Like we walk into an extraordinary setting and somebody's walk into a room and we are literally doing it as humans this is the i guess the, the avatar but you're alerting yes. all of your senses i think that's right Pia. and it was it's interesting i don't know how, where this is going to go eventually zoom's fine but this did this filled in something else it gave us something more humans and as you say visceral and connected the, than that and and it wasn't something i felt was necessarily missing but you realize you were missing it if you like which is interesting so tell us Ian, what's the backdrop to this obviously you're in the you're having this experience this is quite interesting we've been thrown into this virtualized world but there's something it seems like there's a future that's ahead here so i think uh we have to talk about this the M word, <laughs> which we keep hearing, and, and the M word in question is Metaverse. A few months back, Facebook announced they're changing their name to Meta, and they're going to build the Metaverse, and they are investing a billion dollars or something just this year. And Microsoft are also doing something like this. They, uh, they've come up with something called Microsoft Mesh, which is quite similar in nature and they've just made a nearly 70 billion US dollars acquisition of 
Activision Blizzard, which is a gaming company. And yes, they have their Xbox brand and they are into games, but they're framing it, this acquisition, as being a key plank of their metaverse strategy. And so what tends to happen is that when these big tech companies start spending this kind of money on something, it generally comes to us. And I wouldn't suggest to anything, but maybe the the smaller teams might decide that they're going to uh, invest in in headsets and start having meetings using this technology. But I guess companies are going to be a way off, larger organisations are probably going to be a way off from doing this. But I think it's something, I, I find it to be something that we need to be talking about because it's something that, you know, is going to become a very real option. I have this thing about business travel. So over my career, especially, you know, working all that time at IBM, I've driven and flown and all these kind of things many miles for business travel. And there are some things it feels like you can only do face to face, aren't there? The pandemic has taught us the last 18 months is that things that we thought we could only do face to face, turns out we can do quite a lot of them on Zoom. So I run design thinking workshops for some of my clients. And I now have to do those on Zoom and I use tools like Mural and I use, uh, you know, Zoom itself and breakout rooms, all those kind of kind of things. But how much better would it be if we could be in a virtual room where we've got the walls to put our our sticky notes on and to fill up with our with our, our solutions that are persistent so that when we go away and come back, it's still in the same state as it was when we left it, which doesn't always happen in real life because post-it notes fall off sometimes. But Having that kind of vision for the the future of this is really, I'm not sure I'm answering the question anymore, but it's really, it's really I, I find it very exciting to, to think that we, you know, at some point we'll be able to eliminate or reduce business travel yet further by using some of these technologies to avoid having to fly somewhere or having to go somewhere in person. It, it was interesting thinking about yeah the, why we're talking about this and how teams can collaborate. It's quite subtle in a way, isn't it? Because you and I, when we were trying this out in our experiment team, we stood at a an imaginary whiteboard. And of course, bizarrely, you were in your room somewhere and I was in my room in the sort of physical space. But we stood next to each other and you drew something and I added to your diagram. I think I probably made it worse in some way. But yeah, <laughs> but you know, that's a genuine collaboration that could take place now. If you had, there's nothing to stop us doing that using a Zoom whiteboard with the right tools and things, but it just, there's something about this world that takes us more into a, into that human, sort of to use that word visceral again. I think there's something subtly different about that, that you could easily say, oh, we've got all that now. But this seems to give us something different, doesn't it? Indeed. Something it's probably worth mentioning is that a key feature of the workrooms environment is that you can bring your computer. And the Oculus Quest 2, which you need in order to use it, has small cameras dotted on the front of it. And so what you can do is you can install an agent on your computer to share the screen into a virtual screen in that environment. And it looks at your keyboard in front of you and makes that appear in the virtual environment as well so that you can type. So you can see your hands where they are on the keyboard and you can type even though you're not seeing the reality. It's You're just seeing its version of your hands and you're seeing a projection of your screen. But being able to be in that meeting room with your laptop or whatever is actually, I think, an important part of being able to work in those spaces. And, And actually, we discovered you can reformat the room so you can have without just by clicking the ma- clicking on stuff, you can make it into a theatre layout, 
or you can make it into a sort of conference circular table layout, or you can make it into a sort of V-shaped, and it scales up for the number of people that are there. So you only get one row of of theatre seats, but you can have more than one row as more people arrive. You could really see the value of this, because otherwise we're just faced with the same thing, looking at the same people in our team, in the same boxes. I think there's only so much of bringing our pets into the conversations that can add variety to the topic. But really what we're looking at is how do you make a meeting that is virtual a truly interactive experience that actually brings, if you're particularly if you're looking for creativity, activates a different part of the brain. And that must be part of where the technology of the Oculus headset is doing that. It's activating different parts of the brain and almost tricking you to believe that it's real. That I mean, if I take my Harry Potter... That's what I constantly was doing. Is this real? It's not real. It's this. But when I did it twice, gosh, I felt sick afterwards. It was really interesting because my brain had been working in so many different planes. That was really interesting in itself too. But the experience, as you say, was, was so strong. I think that is an interesting point. The physicality of being, well, being attacked by a spider or being in a shoot 'em up game where you're being killed by sarcastic teenagers. They're sarcastic quite rightly because you're so rubbish. But but that was a threat state. It's, it's a, something happens to your limbic brain, definitely, to me. It's, it's, I was in a threat state there. And in this one, I was in a comfortable state. The, the scenes are really nice around. You can select a, tr- a tr- tranquil lakeside view outside your office. The office itself is just lovely. You can decorate in your own way in small ways at the moment. So there's, there was something very calming about being in that space. It was a pleasant experience. And there are, there are some subtle things that are happening to, to give you that feeling. So one of them is the, there's a, the headset has a spatial audio capability. So one, when you're in this room with uh, other people and someone speaks, your ears are getting what feels like accurate information about where they are in the virtual space. So when you, if you turn to, to one side, that person's talking over there, their voice sort of tracks round in your hearing. One of the things that we, we did was that uh, we invited somebody else to join us via... The lovely Mrs. Hammond. The lovely Mrs. Hammond, indeed, <laughs> to join us via her laptop. So we didn't have a third headset. But when she joined, she appeared as a Zoom person almost on a virtual screen in the space. And again, when she spoke, the audio tracking about where she was 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 quite startling. So you knew where to look. And because of the cameras, it tracks your hands as well. So a lot of the way that you use virtual uh, VR applications is via controllers that come with the headset you hold in your hands and they're not then they're not like game controllers but you know they're they're similar in in concept with buttons and joysticks and things like that but this uh, particular environment you discard those and it looks at your hands using its cameras and it tracks your hands so when you point it can see it, it and and your avatar points as well and and it, i don't know how magic this must be under the scenes but it's quite clever that when I'm pointing in the virtu- to something in the virtual environment, everyone who's looking at me in that environment sees where my finger is pointing. So effectively, there's a lot of intentionality in how they're building it to mirror these thing- these kind of cues of body and, and audio. But it, it really makes a, a large contribution to that real sense of being in a place. And they're, as part of the announcement made by Meta, that they were talking about something they call Project Cambria where they're going to release a more pricey headset this year that has things like eye tracking and facial expression tracking. 
So in in that in that scenario, when I'm looking, that my avatar will start to look in the direction I'm looking with my the eyeballs of the avatar will 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 move around. I guess if I cast my eyes up to heaven, my avatars <laughs> will, will do that same thing. <laughs> and and I, they were talking about sort of things like facial expression tracking to bring that in as well. And e- even with the tools they've got, it's really compelling but with when they you start to add these things these aspects of human non-verbal communication into it it just gets stronger and and stronger so i don't know what that's going to look like but they're talking about releasing something this year so i i think you know that even though it's already very powerful i think it will be getting more and there's also a kind of dystopian aspect to that as how much will advertisers pay for knowing which way your eyes are pointed we have yes. to get we you have to make anyway. sure we understand all of those kind of implications we can't just sleepwalk in, into handing over so much data and, and, <laughs> but, and let's face it meta doesn't have a great reputation on that front so no and and i think probably the headsets are still a little pricey at 300 pounds so that's got to change in some respect too that and there's probably going to once they're designed there'll be knockoffs of those that will be still as effective but cheaper well, maybe. I, I'm sounding a note of caution there because I think uh, part of uh, Meta's strategy is to be selling these things at, at or close to cost or maybe even below it to to get them out there in the, in the hands of people. And actually, if you think about your sort of business computers that you use, your phone costs more than that and your laptop costs much more than that. So... Actually, the £300, I think, is actually a bit of a bargain for what it is. The question, I know that large companies are going to think twice before they spend £300 times the number of employees that they've got. There's, that will certainly be the case. But actually, it's it's not completely out of it's not out of the ballpark is it no it's not uh, and as you say a phone is uh, much more expensive hey i was thinking though it's an interesting one of where this will fit for teams because if you're having a performance management conversation i don't think i'd be wanting to have that with an avatar so this what's the fit for purpose if we're creating as a team where your brain needs to be activated in a different way you can really see the value of this but you know, you both were different avatars. I'd be a little off-putting if it's a serious conversation that we've got to be having or a necessarily, you know, developing something that's either confidential or... I don't know. What, what's your thoughts around that? My avatar looks like like a 12-year-old boy. That would be off-putting. Perfect. What do you think? And this is an interesting one, I think. If we think about teams now, what's, what is possible and what, where could people start experimenting? Where do you think are the sort of areas where they might, where it's going to be less useful right now? I think... D- to talk around it a bit first, I think this concept of the metaverse is a lot bigger than what we've been doing at the moment. And it's, there's a sense in which the metaverse is a big connected world where your avatar doesn't just, isn't just able. So we've got an avatar in workrooms and then you build another avatar for another app and another avatar for another app. But the, in, in this view, vision of the metaverse is you just have one avatar that you that goes everywhere with you that goes to work or, or gaming or recreation or whatever it might be you have the that kind of ability to move around in the same way as we only have one web browser but we we visit facebook google twitter 
the BBC News or whatever it is we we we, we do. It, the vision is that it it becomes a three D world in which we can do a lot of things. So when you're thinking about the your performance management conversation, it would be probably quite inappropriate at the moment at this at this stage where we are to do something like that as you suggest. But I think it's a lot about context. I think now that conversation is quite likely it will have happened millions of times on Zoom. Whereas maybe three years ago, we would have said it's inappropriate not to do that in person. So I think there's a, a sort of window of expectation that, that kind of moves around. And as, as this, if we're all going to work every day by plugging, by putting a hopefully a more light and longer battery life headset <laughs> On, on onto our heads and we're we're doing substantial amounts of work in creative environments with with our the teams that we're in or part of then a lot more things will become reasonable to to have thought to, to, to do but at the moment i think it's still you know experimental and i think if i was uh, running a substantial company i think i would be trying experiments in the same way that that dan and i have been and maybe taking out my innovation team um, and saying okay why don't you try starting to use this for some of your meetings and then come and then let's let's have a conversation about what that's what's good for what's not good for to get to the the starting line of it but i think it's a journey that we'll end up in we can have 95 percent of team interactions and even you know challenging ones in that that virtual space i think that's where we will end up but obviously we're not there at the moment it it is interesting as well i've cast my mind back to that time when you got your lovely feedback here not in the mid 90s i was working in the states and we did everything through the phone everything you know we had sales teams all across the country and and actually all of those conversations took place by phone so we've come into more we've got this vision that we all sit in offices and talk to each other and now we've got zoom but actually it's interesting how much can be conducted in a virtual way and i like your Window of expectation is a good phrase to see how we'll slowly shift into a new way of working. I'm still hoping they can transport us in another yes. way so that, that that technology will happen. So we can actually really feel that we as human beings are all together in the same room. And that, that probably would be the next curve. So we're not in avatars. We are actual people. But we've got an interactive experience that, that, that works in a way that really activates us, not feels a flat experience, which is what sometimes working in a virtual system can and having experimented i think this does have the potential for that yeah. well there's already a vr app called spatial that i've uh, tried out they've got a website at spatial.io but one thing that they have is that you you take various you take a video or i can't remember exact process but you use your phone's camera to capture yourself and then it makes an avatar that looks like you and actually I mean, with no legs. So for some reason, all the metaverse developers are Le- legs are uh, so uh, they passe. think legs are redundant <laughs> for their uh, purposes. But yes, they make an avatar that looks like you, and actually, it does a pretty good job of it. And that's again something that's possible now. But that's only in this app, and in in the one we were using, you you design a, a cartoon person. There's this kind of weird place in between that people talk about the uncanny valley. I don't know if you've heard that expression, but there's this uncanny valley of something where it looks quite it looks right as though it's real but there's something about it where you just know it isn't and it's quite that can be quite unnerving and i think there was a i I remember watching recently watched it again start one of the star wars movies rogue one where they had princess leia and also governor 
Tarkin, who were played by actors who have sadly gone away from us now, but they had computer-generated versions of them in that film. And it was it, there was a little element of that. I think they did really well, actually. I think they did an amazing job of doing it, and they had real actors that played those roles, and they had motion capture spots on their faces and all you know they so they did really well but it it was there was still something a bit it wasn't quite you could still if i don't know if you didn't know would you be able to tell kind of thing but yeah so there there is this uncanny valley idea and i think the vr the companies that are doing this are trying to avoid that they're trying to avoid something that's slightly on the creepy side of being real so i think cartoon on one hand, is probably one of the sort of tactics that's being used to avoid that. And we are very good at picking up uncanniness, aren't we? I know they they used to talk about banknotes always having faces on them because we we are programmed, obviously, to to really be very good at fa- recognizing faces in extreme detail. So we spot counterfeit notes if there's a little something tiny wrong with that face. So. Ian, thank you so much for joining us today. We're going to leave you in uncanny valley, but you've taken us into into another world and into the into into the future. And I hope, I'm sure it's been it'd be invaluable for teams who are now even in any way thinking about the future of remote working and how they can connect as a team. I think it's going to be really invaluable for them, even just to prompt some thinking about the future and what they can do next so thank you so much for joining us oh it's been a real pleasure i always like talking about these uh, these these things thank you for the opportunity listening to ian i really it came to me that we've got this amazing teams have this amazing moment right now which is full of promise and, and also probably some dangers as well but to watch out for but you know the pandemic two things are meeting basically the pandemic has made us really come to explore properly remote working and i think and broadly accept that and to tap into the benefits but at the same time at this point in history technology is getting to a point where this the metaverse virtual reality is going to become widely available i think those that the sort of confluence of those two things provides teams with loads more opportunity to explore new ways to connect as humans yeah and i think that's i think what was exciting about hearing you was that we're not condemned to a future solely just in virtual meetings. This is the next horizon. And it's it's still embryonic, really, I think, and, and filled with flaws in many respects. But give this a few years and it probably will become pretty seamless and affordable and easy for people to be able to utilise. And I think that just, it just creates, it brings people closer. To me, it's, it's interesting. We, we, we want connection. So what's the medium and the way that we feel that we get that connection? And there's subtle cues, which when you've got static pictures of people's faces, you're not getting those cues. Whereas you pick up all that information when you're in a room with somebody and then your senses are scanning. So I, I would imagine that technology is looking to replicate that in a way that you feel like you're in a room and you feel like you're working together. Exactly. And and it was pleasant. I think that's the thing that I brought out from it. I, I, having Comparing it with the shoot 'em up game, it was genuinely a pleasant environment. And when, I'd ha- when we had that meeting, I felt like I'd been in a room with Ian. So there's something here. I think it's really interesting. I think about it at the other end, as you say, trapped in the matrix. You plug into the matrix in the morning. Mutual friend Bart is starting a company about called Business Outside. And that is all about how do you get yourself out 
into the wild out among the, in the green to to do business out there through walks connecting on the phone whatever it's i think that's the in a way probably quite com- sort of something that teams need to think about is how they make deliberate choices about living in this virtual world but also how they can do those really human things of being outside now obviously in the future the metaverse will start to replicate that that out that outdoors which is going to be another bewildering horizon as you say but but i think we've right now we've got so many options as teams to connect in different ways and i think having that conscious choice around it and using it to the best benefit not letting the technology you know seduce you into thinking that's it's going to be the best way but actually being able to utilize it in a clever way and having the whole breadth of experience we're going to need human experience we're going to need to be outside and we can utilise this and just think how exciting and creative it can be when you've got an experience that fires up different parts of your brain. And, and I really hope that our knowledge of the brain and neuroscience keeps up with this because my only concern is our brains are not moving at the same speed as technology. So we need to get that information so that we make conscious choices and we're not just picking on something that we think solves a problem, but creates different ones for us. So I think that'll, that'll all be part of the next chapter, I think. You're so right. And actually, in the last chapter, so well, I don't think we've evolved for, well enough for social media. That has uh, done, done us in in a number of ways. So yeah, being really conscious about this is going to be the key point. So anyway, I hope everyone's enjoyed that uh, little tour of the metaverse exploration. So, Peter, who have we got on the show next week? We've got an amazing man called Jim Molan, who now is a senator in Australian politics and was previously uh, a general in the Iraqi conflict. And his view on teams, on teamwork, this team of teams is immense. And he's created huge impact in these two very different worlds that he is now occupying. So I think it's going to be really interesting to see the journey that he's taken, but also how he sees teams in those two environments. So I'm really looking forward to reconnecting with him after some time. Absolutely. He's wonderful. So I think that'll be a great episode. But that is it for this episode. Uh, you can find show notes and resources at squadify.net. Just click on the We Not Me podcast link. Those resources include a video of Ian and me inside the metaverse. You could also, if you have an Oculus headset and you'd like to explore a little bit further, just email me at Dan dot hammond at squadify.net um, and i will enroll you in a little group so we can try things out so we have an experimental group running on linkedin just to just send that that note through if you've enjoyed the show please do share the love and recommend it to your friends we not me is produced by mark steadman of origin fm thank you so much for listening it's goodbye from me and it's goodbye from me mm-hmm.